0: I got to tell you, <laughs> I missed a part at the beginning of the children's sermon, Linda, and I didn't hear the word stuffed cat. <laughs> and when this rotten kid starts swinging the cat around by its tail, I'm having some real problems in my chair. And then when the entire cat came loose from the table, tail, oh. I'm glad it was stuffed. That's all I'm saying. Oh, we might have to call people or something. So this letter that Paul writes to Colossians is really so cool. Um, You may have noticed today that the passage, the Scripture passage, was a little bit longer than usual. Normally, if I was preaching out of this length of passage, I would just pick a section to be read, so it wouldn't be as many verses But I thought that, the beginning of Colossians, is so beautiful that it needs to be heard. And what's especially interesting to me is that Paul hasn't met these people. The church in Colossae wasn't one of Paul's churches. He didn't found it. Yet he wrote this incredibly wonderful letter. And the, the rest of the letter... The uh, book of Colossians, and we'll be we spending a couple weeks in it. The rest of the letter is such a wonderful discussion about the power and the glory and the majesty and the grace of God. But in this opening section, Paul is just saying, Hello. And here's how all this came about, I think. <clears throat> you know, Paul was on a missionary journey, and he was in Ephesus, and he had a a pretty good run at Ephesus, and he ended up staying at the church there that he founded. He ended up staying two years. And so while he was in Ephesus, he built, um, there was a congregation built of, of many folks from many different places. And one of the people who came to his church, who came to the church in Ephesus, was a, was a young man named um, Epaphras. And Epaphras was from a town called Colossae. Now Colossae used to be a major city in southwest Turkey until about the beginning of the new era. Uh, But as Laodicea uh, was built, um, Colossae lost its uh, influence and uh, Laodicea became the most important city in the area. Colossae was on the decline, which meant the population was growing smaller and jobs were fewer. And folks were leaving to look for places to work. Perhaps this is why Epaphras is in Ephesus, looking for work. But while he is in Ephesus, he comes upon this group of people, these believers, who are a church church. There's no real reason to believe that they have a church building with a steeple and a cross that attracted him. My guess would be that Epaphras, in his everyday dealings with people, came upon somebody who said to him, You need to come visit uh, where, where we worship together. I think it'd be really meaningful to you. This guy who preaches there, Paul, he's really good, but the message about Jesus is so powerful and transforming. So, Epaphras, we invite you to come. I'd love for you to come. And Epaphras went, and he listened to Paul preach. And he went back, and he listened to Paul preach. He was there perhaps one particular Sunday when they celebrated the love feast and celebrated communion together. And somewhere in the midst of Epaphras going to the church in in Ephesus, Epaphras said yes to Jesus and became a follower of Christ. He was in Ephesus for a bit longer, but then he went back home to Colossae. And when he went back home, Colossae was a primarily 95% Gentile city. There weren't any Jewish congregations for him to visit while he was there. And so, Epaphras, don't know where, maybe in the town square, maybe there was a meeting house where people would go and debate philosophy and religion like they did in in Greece. But Epaphras starts to tell people the story, the story of the church in Ephesus. And who the church in Ephesus was. And of course he talked about Paul, this great preacher who had done all these remarkable things. But mostly he talked about Jesus. Who lived for people and died for people and rose from the dead for people. And lo and behold, over a period of time, a church began to grow in Colossae. And Epaphras was the the leader. And the church grew. And at some point, Epaphras left Colossae to go back to find Paul. Now, Paul has moved on. And in fact, after Epaphras finds him, they both get thrown in jail, which this letter is written from. So, um, Epaphras finds Paul. And my guess maybe be while they're sitting in the cell. They're having a conversation with each other. And Epaphras tells him about the church in Colossae. He tells him about the church that began partly because of Paul's preaching because it had influenced Epaphras who then had gone back to Colossae and had begun the work there. But Epaphras told Paul about the folks in the church in Colossae and he told Paul about how they love God and how that love of God is translated into their love for people. He told Paul about how the people in Colossae served Jesus by serving the community. That people in Colossae knew who the Christians were because of the good things they did. Paphras told Paul about an energized church, active on every realm. He talked about their faithfulness and their kindness and their prayer lives. He talked about their openness to the leading of the Spirit each and every day as God was leading the church in Colossae in remarkable ways. I have a guess, and I'm not sure this is true, but I have a guess that Epaphras actually encouraged Paul to write the letter. I'm thinking Epaphras said, boy, would they get a kick out of getting a letter from the Apostle Paul. You have had been such an influence in their life, and they've never met you, but to get a letter from you would mean so much to them. And so Paul wrote them. From Paul. You know, we always close letters with who it's from in the first century, you began letters with who it's from. Makes much more sense practically. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, and Timothy, our brother. So interesting that Paul didn't add Epaphras right there, but he didn't. He's going to save him. To the holy and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Here we go. We always give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We've done this since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. You have this faith and love because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You previously heard about this hope through the true message, the good news, which has come to you. This message has been bearing fruit and growing among you since the day you heard and truly understood God's grace. In the same way that it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. You learned it from Epaphras. Shout out to Epaphras who is the fellow doula, servant, slave, we love, and Christ's faithful minister for your sake. He informed us of your love in the Spirit. Because of this, since the day we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you and asking for you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, We're praying this so that you can live lives that are worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him in every way, by producing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, by being strengthened through his glorious might so that you endure everything and have patience, and by giving thanks with joy to the Father. He made it so that you could take part in the inheritance and light granted to God's holy people. He rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the Son he loves. He set us free through the Son and forgave our sins. Can you imagine what it was like as that letter was read to that congregation? these words as Paul praised them and talked about how wonderful they were and more importantly talked about how his knowledge of them led to prayer and anticipation and expectation. For you we pray. For you we hope. For you we expect. As I look at these 14 verses, there are two things that just really jump out at me. And the first is, this is what community looks like. A church that is together. Not a church that was founded by some superstar preacher, but a church that was founded by, by a guy who had been touched by God. Who had the story of grace to share. And who shared it who shared not only the story of grace, but the story of commitment and service and sacrifice. And so this group of people came together, working together, striving in their community to make a difference, caring for each other, caring for those around them, and being an influence To the people they met, to the people around them. This is the story of a church that is community. Dr. King spoke eloquently of the beloved community wherein we are all significant and we are all interwoven parts of the kingdom of God. When I read this opening to this letter, I hear the letter being addressed to this wonderful, wonderful community and The second thing that I have to notice is Paul knows wonderful things about this church. I mean, he knows some great stuff, but he's never been there. There hadn't been a special about the church on television. The local newspaper hadn't written an article about this church. Paul knows all these wonderful things about this church. How? Epaphras told him. Epaphras let him know what was going on. Can I be honest? How long have I been doing ministry, Judy, 110 years? All my life, I have listened to people complain about their church. Now, not necessarily the church that I'm pastoring. Don't hear me wrong, they don't do that. They complain about that to somebody else. But just in casual conversation with ministers or with lay folks, just with anybody, you have a casual conversation and you say, and you know them, you know where they go to church, and you say, How are things down at uh, First uh, Baptist Church? And almost always, Jerry, tell me if I'm wrong about this, but almost always their response is negative. They're always looking at the bad things that are going on in their congregation. It might be pastor problems, and let's face it, we cause them. It might be congregation problems. It might be changes that are taking place within uh, the community. It might be that the that the church isn't able to do this or that. But people just complain about the church. Sometimes there's excitement, but usually what people have to talk about when they talk about their church is what's wrong with it. Hmm. Let's think about how that works. What the church wants to do is grow and attract people. It wants people to, to be excited about what's going on within the congregation. And it wants to take the message of the good news of Jesus Christ out of the doors and into the community. But how do we do that when it's all negative voices that are heard? How does that happen? Here's what I'm hearing as I hear Paul talk about how he knows about the church in Colossae. I'm hearing we can be positive voices. When we have the opportunity to talk about our faith, to talk about our church, to talk about one another, we can be positive voices for the church and for the kingdom Because God is building community within us. Let's share the good news. Amen.